I began to speak over a month ago to you that this is going to be a season. November and December is going to be a season of manifestation. Things made visible, things seen, things you'd been expecting, things you'd been believing for, things you'd been hoping for. As you release your faith, you're going to see them happen. And it wasn't uh, by mistake that Michael Avery mentioned when I did say, because I don't say this unless I really feel it in my spirit, and I really felt it in my spirit that this would be a season of a hundredfold return. Because when staff and I were prayed over, we didn't show the video today, at World Harvest, we sowed a $5,000 seed for a church that didn't exist before we moved here. Within the first 12 months of Bethel, our tithe and offering from a church that didn't exist, we had about 42 people, I think, whenever we, uh, we had about 42 people whenever we uh, started the church. Uh, actually, that's kids and cousins and everybody driving up from Columbus and eastern Kentucky to be with us. And uh, so, therefore, what happened was... Uh, I was just getting this up. So what happened is within 12 months, our tithes and offerings was over $500,000, 100 times the $5,000 seed. And it never went below that. That's before we, we just had a warehouse and all that. So what I'm saying is this is a special time. And as we go into 2.0, what God has put on my heart is it's next level. And next level for the next 20 years is not just about buildings or accomplishments or tasks. It's about us. Everybody say us. us. Because as we grow, the kingdom grows. As we're blessed, the kingdom's blessed. As we're healed, the kingdom's healed. As we're restored, the kingdom is restored. Now, what I want to get to you is this, that the word culture is something I'm going to kind of reframe in your mindset today. Why? Because it's so important to everything about our lives. The word culture, four years ago, Webster said, was the most used word in the world. And we know that you've heard things from me, like if you have a toxic culture, toxic culture kills vision. We know that, that, that culture in the workplace is critical. It's the right arm to get things done. We know the right culture in our family, culture in our friendships, how important culture is is. You can feel it, but you can't totally explain it. You can see it, but you can't really describe it. It's just that it factor. It's just a, when it's a healthy culture, you just kind of know it, don't you? And as we think about that, culture is really a secret weapon in any organization. But what I've come to find out is, is that most of us don't really know truly what it is. And I began to dive deep into it and study it. Now, when you look for the word culture, you won't find it anywhere in the Bible. I couldn't find it in any verse in the Bible. If you would think such an important topic, you would. But I did find the word that culture represents. What we find out is that culture comes from the Latin word to cultivate the soil, to take care of it, to cultivate the soil, to plow the soil, to break up the soil, to develop. Now, we find soil where? All throughout the Bible. Jesus wrote in the soil, right? We, 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 we can talk about all different kinds of scripture about the soil. Soil is where we have the study of agriculture, floriculture, horticulture, and all those cultures. Amen? And what I want to share with you this morning is, if you have a healthy culture, you're going to have a healthy life. Look at your neighbor and say, healthy culture, healthy life. Things are manifesting in your life because the Bible says we live a life of sowing and reaping. If I sow mercy, I reap mercy. If I sow forgiveness, I reap forgiveness. If I sow love, I reap love. But if I sow unforgiveness, I reap unforgiveness. If I sow bitterness, I receive bitterness. If I sow anger, I receive anger. What does, what's that about? How does that happen? And we're at this time of just quickly receiving manifestation throughout the end of this year. I'm excited about what God's already saying about next year. And what I want you to realize is as we can learn about culture, how to take care of our ground, how to take care of our soil, how to cultivate things that are growing in our garden, the garden of our life. The things that are growing in the garden of our ministry. The things that are growing in the ground of the garden of our family. The things that are growing in the ground of our heart and our health and our businesses and so on. So when you look all over the Bible, you see the word soil, ground, and all that. 
But I think the first time it talks about it is in Genesis chapter 4. So let's go back there. And I think really Genesis chapter 4 pretty well explains what culture is. Look at me in Genesis 4, verse, beginning in verse 2. It said, Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions, from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain his offering did not look, he did not look at with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Verse 6, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do, listen, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do what is right, if you do what, if you do what is not right, sin is crouching at your door. So if you do what's right, you'll be accepted. But if you do what's not right, sin is crouching at your door. Look now, it desires to have you. But you must rule over it. So when I look at this and I look at culture, God gives you and I the responsibility to rule over it, to tend it, to care for it. Think about this. As soon as Cain's offering was not accepted, I could go into the biblical Ecclesiastes of it. And, you know, Abel's offering had to do with the sacrifice for sin, right, and atonement offering. And, 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 and Cain's offering would be more of a harvest or financial offering. It didn't have anything to do with that. And so it was the wrong offering. It wasn't as bad fruit or vegetables. But the key is, instead of learning from that, he had an issue with God. He thought he had an issue with his brother. We'll see in a minute, Abel. But really his issue is with God. I want you to realize that the root that's in your soil, any strife, any contention, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, hatred, whatever it is, lust, it comes from the roots that's deep in our soil. The ground that we are to cultivate. The ground that we are to take care of. Jesus talks about it, doesn't he, in the parable of the sower. And he gives us four scenarios of soil. Isn't it interesting that only one of those is healthy to grow seed. In other words, 25% of the crops, 25% of the soil produced all the crop. So what part of your life are you living on 25% of the blessing? When you could live on 50, 75, or 100% of blessing and favor? Where are you living in your marriage right now? Where are you living? What, what kind of relationship? What kind of ground is right there? How are you? What are you doing? Plowing, cultivating, sowing, getting out the weeds. How about your kids? You, you think they, their problem is from school or it's from their friends. The root is not with school and the root is not with friends. The root is in the, the leadership over them, the parents over them. You have the greatest influence on them than anyone else on the planet. And whatever, you're not getting the right harvest. If you, do, if you start blaming the school and everybody else, you're doing what Cain did. Look at this. So Cain, what happened? As soon as he was rejected, instead of taking it as a time to learn, and to grow, he allowed heaviness to come on him. Well, how did you know heaviness came on? Well, heaviness came on him because the Bible said his whole countenance changed. God said, I see it on your face. Why are you angry? I see it on you. Do you ever notice when someone's carrying heaviness, whether it's a heaviness because of hurt or whatever, or heaviness because they're frustrated and they hurt someone else, whatever the heaviness is, it changes our countenance. Years ago, I shared with you, I went through a couple years or so, I don't know, a year and a half to, or more, maybe two, of depression. And it was pretty ugly. Nobody else knew it. Staff knew it and prayed. And finally, I went away for a week and got some help and got set free. I learned a lot of tools. But every now and then, I'll spill that heaviness try to come on me, and I know what to do to get it off of me. And I'm going to teach you a principle to get it off of you. Because depression doesn't just come overnight. Depression comes layer after layer after layer of disappointment. Layer after layer after layer of discouragement. Layer after layer of layer of misunderstanding. Layer after layer of after layer of sadness 
or not feeling like you're enough or not getting things to happen the way you think they should. And before long, that culminates. It's so heavy. It's a spiritual cloud of heaviness that can turn into depression. We don't even realize it's happening to us. But here's the other thing is, I think that's what's worse than depression. When someone's depressed, people try to help them, right? But how many of us are really living in 25% or less of who we could be for God and for our family and for the community because we are walking in and out of different levels of heaviness but never putting them under our feet? Because didn't God tell him? said, sin's crouching at your door, but you have to rule over it. You have to put it under your feet, Cain. You have to deal with it. So God says, Cain, if you don't deal rightly with rejection, it's going to take over your whole life. One little root of a teacher could have offended you in second grade, and if you don't let go of that feeling, every time you feel that when someone says something a certain way, a certain tone, it'll take over your life. It could be a parent that abused you. It could be a sibling. It could be whatever. Someone in the church hurt your feelings or hurt you. And if you're not careful, the root is down in the culture of your soul, down in your identity. And anyone that connects with your ground is going to be affected by what you're cultivating. Now look at verse 8. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel And killed him. And then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? And the famous words, I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? Verse 10. The Lord said, Look at this, this is key. This this will change everything for you. The Lord said, What have you done? But he didn't wait for his answer. The Lord said, What have you done? He don't ask you a question for himself. He's all-knowing. He asks you a question so you realize you need to learn something. He said, what have you done? And then he says, listen. Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. I get cold chills because I already got this revelation. Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. The ground of your life came the ground of who you are. You see, when people, what happened is he hid his body in the ground, but his blood cried out. And when you contaminate soil, the first thing they teach you in survival is don't use the bathroom around where you're camping or living, right? If you contaminate the soil, it could poison you and you could die. Anytime we contaminate soil around us, it produces toxins. It becomes hazardous. And so as we look at this, the first time something didn't go Cain's way, he gets what? Angry. He he has no joy. He was weighed down. He he thought that if he could, uh, he thought that if I could take out my brother, everything would be okay. I won't have any competition. See, he thought it was someone else. Someone else has caused me to feel this way. Someone else caused me to miss my mark. Someone else took my place. Someone else took my joy. Someone else took my healing. Someone else took my spouse. But really, it was the ground of his own life. And because he didn't cultivate it properly, the ground cried out. Listen, when you contaminate the soil in your children's life, it's going to cry out. When you contaminate the soil in your homes, moms, dads, it's going to cry out. When you contaminate the soil where you worship, it's going to cry out. When you contaminate the soil in friendships or business, that soil is going to cry out with toxins. It's going to come back at you hard and it's going to get its reward if you don't rule over it. You see, Cain really didn't have a problem with Abel. Cain had a problem with God. Abel did not reject Cain. Abel even came to meet him out in the field to help make up and make him feel better and encourage him. 
But instead, he thought, if I could take Abel out, I'll feel better. You see, whenever we contaminate the soil, whenever we hurt the soil, that's what we get from the soil. And Cain thought that if he took care of Abel, it would give him relief. But what he didn't realize, the whole time, Cain's fighting his own heart. Cain's fighting his own ground. His fight was not with Abel. His fight was with God. The old saying that if you're a self-punisher, you punish others, right? I have to watch it, when I, especially up until recent years, that I didn't realize I'm so hard on myself. I can be. I've started to change that over recent years. But I can be so hard on myself, what it do? It makes me be hard on others. Because if I'm punishing myself, sooner or later I'll punish those around me. I'll be tough on them. I'll be unfair because I'm not fair to myself. Why would I be fair? They got to grow up just like me. They got to handle this just like me. And, and what, therefore, being a self-punisher causes us to punish others. Why? Because what's in my ground, in my culture, what I'm cultivating, what I'm watering, what I'm sowing, what I'm caring for is the kind of fruit it produces. Hmm. God warned him that when rejection happened, if he would just keep doing good, he would receive mercy and it would go away. You see, what God or his brother was doing was not the issue. Cain believed what a lot of Christians believe. If he can hide what he's putting in his soil, then everything will work out. If I could just hide that I hate my mother, and I'd just soon she be dead. Then, if nobody knows it, I'll be nice to her on holidays and birthdays. If I could just hide that I can't stand my husband. He's not the man I married. Well, maybe you're not the woman he married. He's not the person you married. Maybe you're not the person he married. These kids are driving me crazy. And, and, and you make them act totally different when people visit you, but they act totally different when no one else is there. See, that's the Canaan way. That's the way to where we act a certain way at work and a certain way at home. We act a certain way when we have guests and we don't. We act a certain way in church and a certain way in a restaurant. What are you saying? You can't live a life of Cain. We can't live the life where we build a culture that we exist in that's not contaminated if we keep hiding toxins in the ground. See, a lot of people think when they stand in your face and they might get by with it if you don't have discernment until you get to know them and they think you receive them according to what they're saying to you. But really you're not. You're receiving them according to what their ground speaks out about them. About how you know their behavior's been. Have they kept their word or not kept their word? Are they confidential or are they a gossip? Are they truthful or are they a liar? The ground always speaks. And God is saying, look, Cain, the ground spoke. Your culture will speak. And if you don't keep that culture, that cultivation healthy so that it can cultivate the soil of your heart and the soil of your life and the soil of your relationships and the soil of your family and the soil of your business and the soil of your ministry, then you're going to have a contaminated life. Hmm. Moving forward. Whenever you hear the word culture from now on, think of soil. Think of dirt. When you're digging around in your plants or your little garden out back or whatever, your flowers, think about soil. Think about dirt. And remember, that's culture. Jesus wanted to view our lives through the lens of soil. He gave us a parable of the soil I shared with you. Jesus wrote in the soil when the woman was brought in front of him who was caught in adultery to set her free. The Bible tells us to put our hand to the plow to take care of the soil. The Bible tells us what? Break up the soil, the fallow, the hard ground. The Bible tells us to cultivate the soil of our lives. The Bible says those who are planted in the house of the Lord flourish. Paul plants 
Apollos waters, but God brings the increase. The Bible says you and I were made out of soil. God hewed man out of the dust of the earth, and he breathed Zoe, God-like life in him, and he became a what? Living soul, Genesis 2. The whole Old Testament is about possessing land and cultivating soil to make places flourish for God. God is serious about soil, and soil is no neutral thing. But we don't want to be quite long enough because when we're alone, we get disturbed. we got to have something going on, good or bad, music or not music, or something. Because if not, when you're quiet, your ground speaks. Well, Pastor, I just get nervous when I'm by myself and alone. Then you've got contaminated soil. And God's not going to fix it. He told Cain, It'll be fixed as soon as you take charge over it. Well, I just can't, I don't have the patience to pray because you have contaminated soil. What's your ground saying back to you? Well, I just love all people, but those particular people, I just can't receive them because X, Y, Z. Maybe you can't receive them because in your soil, is a root of rejection. And you reject other people that remind you of the people that rejected you. The ground cries out. Your ground never lies. Your culture always produces the harvest of its kind. So we see that God cursed Cain. And when he cursed Cain, because he's serious about soil, he told him that from this point on, his hands would toil and he wouldn't receive a harvest. His hands would toil and he wouldn't see an increase come about it, from that, without it, I mean. We see uh, Moses and Joshua were going into battle to possess the, the inheritance of the promised land. In other words, they had to go across the Jordan, and it wasn't just like, oh, just going in. No, they had to fight for Jordan. Even when the walls came down, they still had to fight. Every land that they took that God had already given them, they had to fight for it. You have to fight for the promise. The way you fight for the promise is not to blame people, not to blame a church, not to blame politics or politicians. Not to blame your mommy and your daddy that's been dead so long they couldn't do nothing against you if they tried. Or your uncle, your cousin, or your brother, Bubba. I don't know. But look into the soil of your own heart and see what you've been cultivating. Because everything I deal with, every addiction, every fear, every ounce of anxiety, anger, disappointment, discouragement, depression, it comes from my soil. And it has to do with the way I tend to my crops. You got to fight for your promise. There's no way soil can be healthy if it's not fought for. It takes plowing, it takes putting fertilizer in, it takes watering, it takes getting the weeds out. Here's what studies show us in corporate America. That it only takes 3 to 5% of employees to ruin a healthy work culture. So if you have 100 employees, 3 employees could ruin the whole corporation. 3. It's the power of culture. A bad hire in an organization, they say, can cost the organization 150 to 300% of that person's salary. If you just keep them on, they're going to cost a corporation 150 to 300 percent of their salary just keeping a toxic person on staff. Now, in church, it's worse than that. Because if you keep a church staff person on this toxic, they're hurting people and they're influencing people. Or leaders that are toxic, they hurt people. That's why I want in Bethel 2.0 that, like Michael said, we got to be here to 
restore people. We got to be here to love people. We got to be here to forgive people. We got to be here to lead people that want to be led out of hurt and out of unforgiveness and out of bitterness. We got to grace one another. That's cultivating the soil. Have you, have you ever heard like, like people are like, man, I just love Bethel Harvest Church. I, I, used to, I went there two years or five years or whatever, 10 years, and it was great, but you know, I just, well, why are you not there anymore? Well, you know, it just got to where it just really wasn't getting much out of it. I used to get a lot. I just don't know. Everybody's good people. I love Pastor Dalton. He's amazing. I just don't seem to get anything out of it anymore. Since when do you get anything good out of soil that's contaminated? You cannot get a good out of harvest out of things you speak against. You can't get good things out of harvest, things you do bad things against. You can't get good things out of harvest whenever you think bad toward that soil, whenever you put things in that soil, negative words and negative confessions and hurts and angers, and you're like Cain, you just hide it under the soil and the same place that used to feed you, the same place that you gave your life to the Lord in, the same place that baptized you and anointed your children and brought your children and your children's children into the kingdom of God no longer speaks to you. Huh. Speaks to hundreds of other people. Maybe you are putting the wrong thing in the soil of your local church. It's not contaminated except the proximity you exist in. Other people all around you are getting healed, miracles, financial breakthroughs, kids getting saved. But it just seems like God's not moving for me and my family. The reasons God got my moving for you and your family because you contaminated your dwelling. You contaminated your spot in the house of God and it can't flourish. You see, the kingdom of God is a covenant. It's two-sided. It's not one-sided. And, and what happens is if you don't keep things right with God to where he's got things right with you, you can't flourish and you can't walk in the fullness and the blessing of God. It can't produce what you need. You notice Apollos sowed and, and, and Paul sowed, Apollos watered, or whichever one, but God gave the increase. You see, I can do all kinds of things. We can, I can bring people in to sow in your life, water you, encourage you, fertilize you, but I can't do a thing for you. God has to give you the increase. So if you're not getting your increase, it's not with Dalton. It's between you and God. If you don't feel loved, it's not Dalton. It's not the person who shook your hand or took care of your kids at children's ministry. It's between you and God. It's not your mom. It's not your adult daughter or son that's driving you crazy. It's not the cab driver in New York. It's not the fry cook at Waffle House. It sounds absurd. But some people, everywhere they go, they have to keep changing restaurants because after a few times, they don't enjoy it anymore. Probably because you've offended everybody there. Multiple times. I'm a heavy metal preacher. So if you're a guest, God bless you. We're glad you're here. But this is the way we are when you're not here. So if we acted differently because you're here, we wouldn't be healthy. Amen? So. So Jesus tells us in the parable of the sower that 75% of the people won't put in the effort to get the harvest. They'll leave the rocks in. They'll pick the wrong place to plant, right? Only 25% of the people on an average really walk in the fullness of God, flourish in God and in the things of God. Think about that. Maybe we only have 25% of prosperity and health like we need in our life and our relationships in our life. What if we could get 50% or 75% or 100% of what God says about us? But see, thank you, brother. Thank you. But see, the key is, guys, we are the ones that take care of the soil. The one where it talks about the soil in the parable where it's trodden down, that means it's hard. Whenever soil is hard and it's trodden down, 
it's too hard to get the seed in the ground. You can put all the seeds you want, and if you dig, 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 get it in there, if you do get it in, it's so compressed that oxygen and water and air, it can't get in there to make the seed produce. If you got a hard heart, what happens is that, that, that you just say, that church, they just say this and that, or those people or those Christians or whatever. What happens is that hardness settles in and you, then you can't receive from God. Because God sows through his anointed ones and his word. And as he sows through his anointed ones and his word, if we have our heart hardened toward that and it's hard, we just stay in the same mess we've always been or get worse because God can't give the increase in your life. Hmm. The amount of human lives destroyed by contaminated soil is immeasurable. Even today around our world, not third world, but even fourth, fifth, and sixth world countries, kids are starving and poisoned and living in their own feces and different things and don't go far enough away from where they live to use the restroom and stuff. And they don't understand they're dying a lot because of this. What? Because they're living in soil they contaminated because of a lack of knowledge. It's one thing when you live in a contaminated place in your, in your life for a lack of knowledge. But it's a whole nother story once you know the truth and you choose to contaminate your soil. The Bible says touch not my anointed. There's a reason for that. It's not just talking about Preacher Dalton. The Bible calls all of us little Christ because he, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, Christos, means anoint the atonement, the anointed ones. All of his little brothers and sisters, we're all little anointed ones. All of us are little sons and daughters, little brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. He is Lord. He's the. That means the only. But we're those after. We're little anointed ones. And any little anointed one you hurt contaminates your soil. What did Jesus say? It's better that you would put a millstone around your neck and be ground to pieces than to hurt one of my little ones. Now, here's a lesson for you that's been hurt. It can only contaminate your soil if you choose not to forgive. But if you choose to forgive, you're free. The Bible didn't say you wouldn't be offended. The Bible said, be not easily offended. It takes a lot more to offend me than it used to. But if I don't watch, I can be offended for an hour or a day or two. And then not even really that anymore, probably hours if that. More angry than I'm offended. And then I just get over it. Because I realize the only power it has over my life is if I stay angry at someone that offends me. But the moment I start praying for them and, you know, and speaking good things over their life and blessings over their life, man, I, I have my joy back. Listen, I don't have heaviness. But if I, you imagine how many opportunities, Greg, as a pastor for 20 years, I preached the gospel for 34 years been a full-time minister of gospel almost 30 years. For nine years, the last three and a half years, I had 80 staff and 2,500 volunteers in Columbus before we came and planted this church. I've had a three or 4,000 or more opportunities to be offended. I've had good practice at it. I could tell you ways that just blow your mind. But I learned if I choose not to be, I'm not. You can get that. See, see, this is real heavy revy. This is, this is like, kumbaya, God, speak to me, download from heaven. What do I got to do to get rid of this anger, this fear, this hurt? Choose not to be offended. Here's a big one, Chris. Choose not to be angry. Oh, oh here's a real big one. Choose not to be disappointed. Here's a big one. Choose not to be hurt. I just get, it just seems like if anybody gets hurt in our group, it's me. Me, 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 me. Because you were hurt before you got in the group. You are a walking boo-boo. <laughs> you are a walking bruise. 
I mean, you know, it doesn't take nothing. The wind blows up. You're a walking boo-boo. You get hurt here, you get hurt there, you get hurt everywhere. Hurt, hurt, hurt all the time. As a matter of fact, when you don't feel hurt, something's wrong. I mean, well, what's up? I don't know. I had a good day yesterday. Nobody's done anything to me today. I I mean, really, I, I... it kind of scares me, Meg. I, I haven't been hurt, offended, upset for a day and a half. I don't know if God's doing something in my life or setting me up to teach me another hurtful lesson. Is that right, Sandy? Yeah. So, see, 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 look here. God told Cain, if you just choose to do what is right, this will all go away. That's all you got to do, Cain. But instead, he contaminated his soul. So let's talk for a couple minutes here about how to change this in our lives. So the only thing you have to do to keep your soul heavy, keep your soul from being heavy, the Bible says, is put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. What's praise? It's not just jumping and shouting hallelujah. It's speaking positive things. It's thanksgiving is what it is. Being thankful. You want to get rid of heaviness? Just start being thankful for stuff. I don't care. Be thankful if the grass is green in the spring. I don't care. Find anything. Just speak thankful. Every time something comes in your mind about somebody that upsets you or some situation or a financial stress, just be thankful that, hey, I got a roof over my head at least now. Or hey, I got a friend that's got a place I can stay. Hey, be thankful. Begin to be thankful. And every time the enemy wants you to sow unthankfulness and anger, and God, why haven't you come through for me? And God, why haven't you worked this out for me? And God, why did they steal from me? And God, why did they destroy this in my life? If you just say, Lord, I pray for them. I love them. Bless them, Father. I speak blessings. And I'm just so thankful that I'm breathing oxygen today. I could be dead right now and in hell, but not. I'm a child of God to be absent from I'm going to be present with you. Just put on the garment of thankfulness. Put on the garment. You say, yeah, that, yeah, preacher, okay. Are you going to smile when you say that? No, because it's the truth. I don't have to. So you have to be an expert in fighting off heaviness. You've got to look. That's, that's what culture is. It's protecting your ground. It's cultivating. Anything that you get around that puts heaviness on you, you need to get away from it. Any conversation, you know, it just didn't feel good. That's heaviness. You need to repent and get away from it. Anything you're watching and you feel heaviness, you need to get away from it. Anytime your mind starts dwelling on, well, did they really mean this or did they mean what she said? I, uh, get away from it. As you carry heavy, every time you think, well, God, you could have come through quicker. You get away from it. Run from the spirit of heaviness. Cast off the spirit of heaviness. Let it go. You say, well, you know, I'm just, I don't know why, Pastor, I'm coming to you again this time because just multiple people keep coming to me about this situation. I know why they come to you because you're heavy. You're heavy. If heaviness follows you, you're heavy. And heaviness compresses the ground and hardens the ground. And it cannot receive the water of the word. It cannot see the, receive the oxygen, the wind of the Holy Spirit. It can't receive the nutrients it needs to produce growth. And therefore, you're living on contaminated hard ground because you choose to be heavy. So how does it happen? How do I get free of this? In five minutes, I'm going to pray. Help me, Jesus. Well, the first thing you want to do is you got to ask yourself a question. Am I heavy? See, see, you know, if you don't spend any time alone, you, I can tell you, you're heavy. If you can't pray more than 30 seconds a day, you're heavy. If, if it's tough for you, you get fidgety in church because it's too long, too short, too loud, too quiet, you're heavy. If you feel kind of weird when you walk in here and you're just like, Ooh, I'm going to sit over here because they're over there, you're heavy. And if it's like, well, that preacher, he's just a smart aleck. He's just a, you're heavy. Because I'm not mad at you. 
I don't even know you. You're heavy. If you came in here wringing your hands because you're worried about your finances, you're heavy. Heaviness is not just something bad. It's a result. Heaviness can come because we got good pressure on our life. We just don't handle it right. We've made good decisions, but we've let fear come in, and it's starting to choke out the word, starting to choke out the spirit, and we're starting to backpedal because we got around some unbelief people, and they're saying how stupid we are because we're all in for God, and we're committed to God. See, see, what happens is you allow people and conversations and thoughts around you, and it starts to, their heaviness starts to get on you. And before long, you're carrying their heaviness. Some people don't even know why, Sam, they're heavy. Because they're too busy carrying everybody else's heaviness. They don't even know who they are. You ever had a friend, friend like that growing up? Maybe they didn't think they were attractive or whatever, athletic or whatever. And they were funny and they were this and that. But they never really had a relationship, even though they wanted a boyfriend or a girlfriend. They never seemed to get the parts they wanted or the positions they wanted. And it's not that, but but they, were, they knew everybody. They were connected. You know why they're connected? Because everybody would dump their little bit of heaviness off on them. Because they would take their, you know, anybody let you hang out with them if you'll take their dung. Anybody let you hang out with them if you'll take their CRAP. Anybody let you have if you'll take their leftovers. Don't hang out with people who give you their leftovers. Find people, man, that want to invite you to the meal table. Find people that want to break the bread of life with you and do life with you and be integrous with you. Don't hang out with goofy people. Hang out with people of integrity and people of honor. And when you honor them, they honor you back. Was this helping anybody? Look here. I'm going to end right here. Back to Genesis 4. Because Cain had put blood in the ground, God's word to him was what? He would never receive strength from that ground. He said this in verses 11 and 12. He said, now you are under a curse and are driven from the ground which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be restless and a wanderer on earth. Wow. When you contaminate your ground, you curse it. You curse it with unthankfulness. You curse it with negativity. You curse it with anger and pain and bitterness and frustration and unbelief and sin. And you curse that ground to the point that what? It cannot produce for you. I had a saying that I say every now and then, but I said it in my youth group in Columbus when I was a youth pastor. They gave me a little plaque for it. And it said, uh, be careful when that which is precious to you becomes ordinary you will soon replace it with something or someone else. Be careful when that which is precious to you right now in your life, when that which is precious to you just becomes ordinary, you're in danger of replacing it with something or someone else. Doesn't mean today, but you're on that track. Whenever this church was precious to you and you got a lot from it, but now it's just okay, it's my church. Be careful. Be careful. That marriage you're in right now, oh, we've just been together all day. We love each other. Nobody else would have us now. You better be careful. That girl better be precious to you, not just ordinary. That man better be precious to you. Those kids better be precious to you. You want to keep that job, it better be precious. If it's precious to you, you go every day, give 110%. You're learning, you're growing. If you're not growing, you're dying. dying. You better make sure that job's precious to you. You better make sure that... Husband, wife's precious to you. Those kids are precious to you. That anointing on your life is precious to you. The presence of God is precious to you. Fight for the presence. Well, I'm fighting for freedom to have my way. There's no freedom in God. He's God and you ain't. It's real simple. You think Cain had any leverage with God? God says, you can choose left or right. Left is wrong. Right is good. He chose left. And look what happened to him. He says, you'll be a... He said, also, on down there, he told him... Oh, crap, I messed it up. On down there, he told him... I don't ever do that. That's hilarious. On down there, he told him... Ah, there it is. On down there, he told him, 
that you will not only be a wanderer, but you're going to go all over and, and you're going to leave my prayer. He told him to be quiet. He said, Cain started to say something back to him. He said, shut your mouth in the same passage. He said, shut your mouth to Cain. Leave my presence now. You can have your ground so contaminated, God won't hear a word you say. You're praying to God, but God has already said, I wrote you off until you change some things in your life. Your words don't mean much to me. You come speaking stuff to me all the time, but your ground cries out louder than your words. Why? I just feel like heaven's cut off and God doesn't hear my prayers. The only prayer he hears like that is a prayer of repentance. That's, that's how we get saved, through a prayer of repentance, right? It's the only prayer. When, when, when heaven's locked up and you're not getting your answers and your breakthroughs, you just start praying prayers. I don't even know what I'm repenting of. Just pray it anyway. And you'll see things begin to be revealed to you and opened up. Now, the Bible tells us that so you can get victory over soil but to get victory over soil, you got to plow the soil. A plow is a double, it's a two blades, like an old horse plow is two blades, but it's double-sided, edge, it's sharp. And a plow, like when you put behind a horse or a mule and it's digging the ground, it turns, it cultivates the soil. When the soil's hard, it starts it over again. It turns it over. Sometimes we just need God's word. We need him to plow our hearts again, his grace. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 4.12, that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. That it can separate us under the spirit and the soul. To tell you the very intents of your own heart. 2 Corinthians 4.1 is a key scripture and then we're going to pray. Anybody in here ever feel like you've lost heart? Just kind of, I just don't have the heart for that anymore. Just wave at it. Be honest, just, I've lost heart for something or someone. I got a scripture for you right now. 2 Corinthians 4.1 says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, we have received mercy. We do not lose heart. Therefore, Matthew, uh, 2 Corinthians 4.1, Therefore, since we have this ministry, we have received mercy. We do not lose heart heart. So that tells me if I've lost heart, if I've lost confidence, if I've lost peace, if I've lost anointing, rest, joy, love, forgiveness, if I've lost anything, if I've lost heart, that means somewhere along the way, Miss Gwen, I did not receive mercy. See, mercy is different than grace. Grace is God's free gift, right? But mercy is to be forgiven with no consequences. Yes. Jesus could have gave judgment, but he gave mercy. We need both mercy and grace. But if I don't receive mercy, I can't give mercy. And somewhere along the way, if we're anxious, we're, we're broken, we're angry, we're lustful, we're addicted, we're prideful, we're whatever, we're just ticked off. Don't even know why we're mad sometimes disagreeable, cantankerous, heaven's shutting up, not receiving anything. Finances seem like they're going away. You know, the cat don't like you and the dog hates you. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I know one thing, it's losing the heart. And there's only one way to get your heart back. Not to do one thing, but only receive. Receive mercy. Receive mercy today. Psalm 23 says mercy what mercy and goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy, goodness and mercy. Today I ask you, my friend, whatever you've lost heart over, maybe you don't even know what it is it's been so long, but you lost heart and you want to be free and you want to get what Sister Clark got up there, what'd she get? The spirit of heaviness left her. Sarah, the spirit of heaviness, she tried all kinds of things. But I'd watch her for several weeks come to this altar, dance, get before God, and I knew her. And I told her when she came up for me to pray with her, I said, I know what you're coming up here to pray for. She started crying. I said, what, Pastor? 
said, I, I said, you get rid of the spirit of heaven. I said, I know. I've watched the last two weeks, and God wouldn't let me lay hands on you. I, wanted, I was kind of like, Lord, please just let me pray. No, no. He said, nope. Nope. I left it alone. You know what, Miss Gwen? If I'd not obeyed God, I could have got her free for a day or a week. But when she walked it out, and she came to receive it instead of me going to her to give it to her. I didn't teach her how to eat a fish. I taught her how to fish. And now she will never walk in the spirit of heaviness again the rest of her life. Let's stand. Here's what the Bible says. Matthew 5, 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the merciful, shall they, they shall obtain mercy. So today, wherever you're at in your life, if you need to retain, obtain mercy, I'm going to give you, I'm going to pray with you in just a moment. I want you to just kind of get your heart, your mind ready. Grace is what God gives us that we don't deserve. Mercy is what God doesn't give us that we do deserve. There's things, man, sometimes I can't forgive myself, and I just have to say, I receive mercy. I, I receive mercy, Lord. Just mercy that one. And I haven't done that in years, but I did that this week. Something just started coming in my mind from my past. I know I've been forgiven of it, but I just said, and the Lord said, what are you preaching on, dummy? Yes, Lord, mercy. Old preacher boy for 34 years had to do the same thing you do. Lord, I receive your mercy. It's pride to not receive mercy. Who are you, big girl, big boy, to not receive mercy? Are you the big VIP sinner that, you know, is hard as a rock and tough as nails? Are you going to fight against the pricks? What's that? Fighting against God. Or are you going to receive mercy?